Okay, well, welcome to our Coffee with Alan time today. I uh, <laughs> recorded an entire one of these and uh, realized that my microphone was not picking it up. So all that I had was background noise and people talking over there and coffee steaming over here and <laughs> just, yeah, it was bad. Anyway, well, I'm hoping that this will will still work really well but uh, and sound, sound okay. But uh, I wanted to talk today about... Um, Israel. <laughs> I, I've been, you know, I, I've been processing through this, and so this is not going to be. A, a, I haven't really fully fleshed this out, but it's kind of been. I just want to discuss um, where I feel like God has been bringing me in this journey, um, and a, a new revelation that I feel like I have been given, or at least an, an argument that I've been given that has helped me to establish more of a an opinion or, or a belief or a theology about uh, Israel. Um, and so, um, before, so to kind of give you a pr- little preface, um, that uh, I didn't really know. I, I, I knew that uh, the salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Uh, and we know this because of Scripture alone. And so, wanting to navigate this theological subject um, in a way that... Um, Engages scripture uh, has you know because I I think you know, I'm I'm persuadable when it comes to when I if I get a, if I hear a good argument for scripture um, and that it doesn't not only does it not conflict with scripture but that it accentuates scripture and I can actually read more scripture um, because of a better more faithful understanding of scripture um, and so for instance so like so. With Israel, um, I have kind of loosely held to more of a, I guess, this typically kind of associated with, I think, Reformed tradition with uh, that, that Israel is no longer the covenant people of God, and there's a theology that's kind of named um, replacement theology, that the church has replaced Israel as the covenant people of God. And so God has basically taken the the, the entire covenant with Israel ripped it up, burned it, gotten rid of it, and God no longer cares about them as a people, um, but that he only cares about the church, the kingdom of God. Um, and that, yeah, So basically the, the church has replaced Israel as the covenant people of God that have his favor only. The only, uh, let me preface that by using the word only. Uh, people might say, oh, it's semantics. Oh, yeah, semantics. I mean, semantics is important. Semantics is the study of words and how using different words means specific things. Anyway, so, um, so, and and what is the where is this coming from? So basically, um, I've been preaching through the Book of Luke. Uh, I feel like I'm here to per, to uh, prepare my sermon right uh, before my uh, <laughs> before and after my lunch um, meeting with a friend of mine, but um, with a you know, fellow minister friend of mine here in town. But uh, I. Uh, so basically, been navigating through Luke and and you know hearing and seeing the reality of what's been going on. So anyway, let me kind of preface this with like how I've um, been realizing and, and this revelation of Israel is that they are still today the covenant people of God, that God still favors them, that God still blesses them, that they're that uh, God is still their. Uh, they're God, and they are His people. Um, and 
that God is sustaining them, even in sustaining a remnant of them, has and has been for the last 2,000 years, right? And so, um, and, and we can see these imagery, this Im- these images going down through the through the the years, you know, from the Holocaust down, you know, through, you know, even AD 70. So all of this figures heavily in that God has sustained His people, Israel over the course of the last 2,000 years, and even beyond that, before that, even when they were unfaithful. And here, here's the difference, is that just because they are God's covenant people and favored by God and protected by God, and that he will, he will sustain even just a remnant of them, that, um, that they are not saved. They will do not have salvation outside of Christ. But God is sustaining them as a people, as a nation, for people to come to faith in Jesus. And so this has really helped me to navigate certain scripture passages, like the one, you know, like like uh, Romans 11. Um, I, I want to go back. To, I want to go look at Roman, uh, just looking at Romans in general. Um, and so there's a great book out called uh, Reading Romans Backwards, and it basically shows that the context, in order to read Romans, you have to start with Romans 16. And Romans 16 is the passage, passage all about, you know, the greetings. It's the, this person and that person, you know, say hello, say hello to the people, the church in this person's home and say, say hello to these people. And hey, and, and guess what? You know, Timothy, Timothy says, Timothy says hi, right? It's this, it's focused around the people groups of the Roman church. And so to understand Romans and, and the passages that we see um, in, in, Ro, in you know, to the Romans um, about the Jewish and Gentile church, uh, it has to start there. And basically who he's writing to is a group of people that were divided. They were, they were split. Um, and they were, it was basically two cultures within the same church. And, and the reason for that is that, you know, so in, in uh, the early centuries, I can't, uh, Claudius or some, one of the, uh, the emperors in Roman, I can't remember if it's Claudius or not, but it's, I think it starts with a C, basically that he created a, he, he signed a, basically an executive order that kicked all Jews out of, out of out of Rome, and so the 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 church in Rome had been Gentile and Jewish people, Jewish Christians together, believing in Jesus together. Well, when that happened, and because they had established a culture together, but when that happened, they split, and the the Jewish Christians moved elsewhere in the in the in the empire. Uh, this is where we get past you know get people like Priscilla and Aquila. They were part of the Roman church. They were kicked out, and that's where Paul met them when they were in in exile, if you will in Corinth. Uh, they were both doing tent making. And so that's where this, this dynamic happened. So what happened is that there was a vacuum. And all you had in Rome were the Gentile Christians. They were there and they created a culture for themselves living and walking in the freedom of Christ. Like they didn't have the law. They didn't have the Torah. They didn't have, even you know, the synagogues were shut down. They had no, they had no word of God. All they had was one another and the Holy Spirit. <laughs> that's it. That's all they had. And then the stories of, of, of God's creation that they're Jewish brothers had, had told them, you know, probably about, you know, Abraham and probably Adam and Eve, the creation of the world and, you know, Abraham and, and probably the flood and these different narratives of, you know, uh, with Moses and, and the 10 plagues and, and, you know, the great stories of the Bible, right? So of the Old Testament, of the first covenant, for the, of the first testament that uh, they, um, but they had to worship, they had to learn how to worship in spirit and in truth. They had to learn how to worship God on their own without their Jewish brothers and sisters, uh, instructing them of the things of the scriptures. And so, but then what happened is that, you know, several years later, 
um, after they'd create, created their own culture in the church, the Jewish brothers and sisters were able to rejoin the church. Well, except for maybe joining, they kind of started to butt heads because they started to create their own, you know, to, to still know and love and serve Jesus through their ways. But then they had this division because they had the, the, the clashing of the two cultures, one living by faith alone and, and freedom and grace, and the other still living and walking through Torah and, and the ways of, of God um, in their own culture, in their culture. But And so they had them kind of coming together and clashing a bit. So that's really kind of the context of the entire book of Romans, is helping these these divided brothers and brothers and sisters be able to come back together in unity and worship Jesus together in spirit and in truth, um, you know, blending the, the the who God is with how God operates now through grace, not through the law. Um, and so, how how do Jewish people keep their Jewish identity um, and the covenant of God through their through their race, but also understand what is the way of Christ, what is the way of Jesus, what is now the way, truth, and life. Um, and that is through grace, that is through freedom, through freedom in Christ, through walking by the Holy Spirit, uh, and not through the letter of the law. We are now under grace, not under law. Not, no longer under law, but under grace. You keep seeing that all throughout the entire book of, of Romans. Um, and that's really the, centering into the context of, of Romans chapters 9 through 11. That's kind of shifted my understanding of, of these chapters. Um, because as, as we see in for them, this is not a new thing where God sends destruction on Israel as a way to punish them, to, to discipline them, and call them back to the truth. Um, we saw this in, you know, all the way back you know, to, um, gosh, even um, in, you know, the, the war with the Philistines and the Syrians and the, and the whole people groups around, in and around the time of them coming out of Israel. I'm sorry, you know, Egypt. Yeah, coming out of Egypt and wandering. They weren't able to go. I mean, 3,000 people fell by the sword after they started worshiping the pagan god Osiris through making the calf, you know, the golden calf. That was, that was worshiped to Osiris, the Egyptian god. Even though God had just judged all of the Egyptian gods, they went back to the ways because that's all they knew. Honestly, for them, they didn't, they didn't have a law. They didn't have a way to live the law. And so, uh, basically, God disciplined them for that. And then they turned and they were grumbling against God. And so God sent serpents to Israel to kill many of them, to destroy them, to turn their faith, to turn their hope and their allegiance back to God and to stop worshiping other gods. The, you know, rule number one, don't have any other gods except for me. Rule number two, don't make any images to try to worship other gods or, or try to worship me through an object. Stop it. <laughs> um, and... And so, I mean, it's all the first four, at least, you know, are all about faithfulness to God. Um, you know, don't take his name lightly. Don't take upon yourself God's name and, and not live like it. That's the whole, that's the whole context between, you know, of, of, say, of taking the Lord's name in vain. It's not saying, you know, GD or, you know, Jesus Christ as an expletive. That's not the name. That's not the, the context of that, of that commandment. It's don't take upon yourself my name and then go and live like live other you know outside of you know live otherwise you know in, in another way worshiping other gods you know so like you take upon me your name you know take upon yourselves my name live like it <laughs> um and when they didn't 
I mean, all the way back to Deuteronomy, he says, I've placed before you today life and death. You know, if you follow me, you'll have life, you'll have flourishing, you'll have shalom. If you don't, you'll have death and you'll have destruction and you'll have discipline and punishment. Right? That was God's covenant. I, I, even, I remember talking to this one, this uh, hearing this teaching from a guy at a youth camp a long time ago. Um, and basically he said, you know, that God broke his covenant by punishing them, by destroying them. I was like, no, 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 no. That was a fulfillment of his covenant. That was a fulfillment of his warning. That was a fulfillment of him saying, follow me or else. <laughs> um, and so that's God's covenant with Israel still today. Uh, and so that's when they were walking with God. They, God flourished them. But interesting, like uh, how I've been reading the book of Luke, because you know, I've been preaching through the book of Luke, right? And it centers in heavily into AD 70 and how this was a divine judgment again against Israel because what happened you know centuries before AD you know, in the 8th century BC is when the Assyrian you know God sent the Assyrians in to destroy the northern kingdom they had completely abandoned the covenant they had completely abandoned the way of the Lord they had worshiped the Baals they had passed their, their children through the fire offering them as sacrifices to Baal to Satan to Lucifer himself and then worshiped the Asherah the queen of heaven um, and so God was like all right you're done I'm destroyed them but there was a remnant and they joined Babylon or not Babylon, uh, Judah. They, they joined Judah. So when when the Assyria was was annihilated, there were still some of them who were worshiping God and being faithful to God. And he preserved them as a remnant and they joined Judah who was still walking with the Lord occasionally because he had these different kings back and forth who were good and bad. And he had, then he had, you know, Hezekiah, yay. And then he had Manasseh, boo, for a long time. And then he had Josiah, yay. And then he had a bunch of other kings that, and then got destroyed in the fifth century uh, BC. And so what happened? They, you know, they were all destroyed. They were sent into exile. The first temple was destroyed and annihilated, and they were sent into exile, into slavery, and and many, you know, many millions more were killed at the edge of the sword. That was God's divine judgment because Judah had turned away from the Lord completely, as a culture, as a nation, as a religious, uh, religious ent- entity, political entity, um, and. You know, Josiah, God even said to Josiah, I'm going to hold off because you're good. You know, you're, you're, you're my friend. So I'm going to hold off for the sake of you and what you're trying to do in Israel so that more people can, can come into faith in, in me before they turn back against me and, I, and then I destroy them. And then, you know, then, so this is figuring heavily into, then they reestablish again and they you know, rebel and they establish themselves as a, king, as a kingdom again. But it's interesting to note, that they, since the destruction of the first first temple, they Jewish people were never properly able to worship in the temple because the Ark of the Covenant was not there. God's presence was what made Israel and and Jerusalem special and beautiful and glorious. But even when they rebuilt the temple, you know, the Hasmoneans rebuilt the temple, God's special presence wasn't there. He still, they still had His blessing. They still had his favor. They were returning to the, they were desiring to return to the covenant, right? And they were worshiping the Lord. They were worshiping the Lord, coming together in what they believed to be God's presence in Jerusalem. But really, the presence of the Lord did not enter the temple again until Jesus walked through that east gate. Until Jesus' presence walked into the temple. That's when God's, pre- that's when God's presence re-entered the temple again. But, and it's interesting, like, you know, preaching through the, the, the book of, of Luke, how the destruction of Jerusalem in AD 70 was his prophecies. The Olivet Discourse is all about AD 70. You know, Luke chapter 13, 
Um, you know, do you think that these people were were more unrighteous because they were killed when the when the Tower of Siloam fell on them, or when all these people died in the in the temple courts and their blood was mixed with the sacrifices? You know, no, these people were not you know more unholy as you, but repent, change your mind, or else you too will likewise perish. In eighty seventy, stop living this way. Stop living religiously and start living faithfully. Um, stop trying to think that doing all these things outside of a heart of love for God is going to give you favor with God. Um, he kept warning them and warning them. Jesus' whole ministry was the warning of AD 70. Now, there's quite a bit of where he is talking about the great final victorious day of the Lord. But but think about that. The destruction of Israel. I've, ta- I've, I've preached through this a few times when I talked about Luke, Luke, Luke 13. But even like a few weeks ago, um, I preached on Luke chapter 19. Um, when it talked about uh, Luke chapter 19, I think 41 through 48. Um, basically, in, in the midst of, this, of the second half of the triumphal entry, the first half was like super fun and powerful. Everyone was like casting down, you know, throwing down their garments and waving palm branches. Like, Yay, Hosanna! You know, his, all of his, his followers, his, his disciples were worshiping Jesus and proclaiming that, you know, the great day of the Lord, this, you know, the, that Jesus is coming, that Jesus is the Messiah, that Hosanna, the King of Kings, but then the second half, so they keep going, because that starts in Bethany, and that's like a couple miles from Jerusalem. And then the second half, when he crosses over into the, the, the Mount of Olives, he, he gazes across the Kidron Valley, and he sees Jerusalem. He starts ugly crying. He starts weeping, weeping, and he's, he's broken. And the, I can just see the disciples going, what the heck? And <laughs> what's, what's, what's the matter, Jesus? Did, did Peter say something to you? Do we need to go have a word with him? <laughs> did, Jesus, did Judas say something to you again? Uh, Judas say something to you again? But it's this, uh, Jesus wept because he, what did he say? He said, if only you knew what would bring peace. If only you knew. But now, but it's too late. You have gone so far off the rails that you're going to be destroyed. And then, you know, a, a chapter later, I just preached this, this last Sunday, um, Luke chapter 21, verse 5 through 38, the rest of the chapter, because um, the disciples are like, oh, look at how beautiful the temple is. Oh, look at all these things. And he's like, yeah, about that. Not one stone's going to be left upon another. In fact, everything's going to be destroyed. Women, men, women, and children are going to be, da- you know, they're going to be dashed upon the rocks like they were in the destruction of Jerusalem back in the 5th century B.C. I mean, Jeremiah even wrote the book of Lamentations saying that, you know, women are eating, eating their children in the streets. Um, dashing their shell, you know, basically like this is such this gore and blood, and we see this this awful picture of the great and terrible day of the Lord. The great and terrible day of the Lord wasn't Jesus; it was AD seventy. It was Jesus was bringing was inaugurating the war, the final warnings before the great and terrible day of the Lord came, and they refused. They refused to obey. They refused to believe. But there was a remnant that did. There was a remnant that believed, and there was a remnant. From the destruction of AD 70, from the destruction of, of, of Israel uh, and Jerusalem. Now, I, I want us to, and I preached about this, but I want us to fully appreciate this. What was AD 70? Why was it so, I mean, it's, kind of, it's almost like for us, it's kind of like a blip on the, on the timeline of history. We're like, ah, yeah, Jerusalem was destroyed, whatever. But think about it. In, in all reality, the destruction of Israel in AD 70 would, would be attuned to you know, like an invasion uh, by another country where they come in and they bomb and destroy the White House, 
the Washington Monument, the Capitol, the Abraham, Abraham uh, Memorial, the Lincoln Memorial, um, the Supreme Court building, basically all of all of all of Washington D.C., the Statue of Liberty, Wall Street, um, the Fed, CIA, FBI, Fort Knox, um, what else? Um, you know, Liberty Hall and the the Liberty Bell, like anything and everything that that gave us our our identity as a nation, as America, destroyed, gone, and then they 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 they. Um, uh, resumed dropping atomic bombs on all of our major cities like you know New York and LA and Denver and Seattle and Portland and uh, Dallas and Houston and Salt Lake City Phoenix um, Washington DC so I'll just finish it off right <laughs> Philadelphia like bombing all these major cities and causing mass massive am amounts of loss of life death and destruction blood and people destroyed and then basically coming in and, and conquering and establishing dominance and rule and setting up their own things, say for like, for instance, like communism, like set, setting up communist centers all throughout the world, uh, all, throughout the, all throughout the nation, um, establishing their governance over us. And so basically we're not a people anymore. We're not a country anymore. We've lost our identity. We've lost everything about us. We're done as a country. That is what happened in AD 70 to Israel. Their entire identity as a nation, as a people, as a faith, as a religion, their God, everything about Israel was destroyed. Um, it was severe. And for them, you know, they had a far less, a smaller population. Over a million people were, were killed. That would be like 150 million people at least being killed in America. 150 to 200 million people dying, gone, and then the rest enslaved. The rest put under the rule of a, of a different people, being scattered throughout the world. Um, that is what 8070 would have been. That is why it's called the great and terrible day of the Lord. Um, that's why it wasn't called the great and awesome and wonderful, glorious and beautiful day of the Lord that Jesus was fulfilling. Jesus wasn't fulfilling the great day, day of the Lord. He was. He was fulfilling it in that he came to give the final warning and deliverance and the new covenant by which, the, but then the terrible day of the Lord was the destruction in AD 70. Uh, within that same generation, that's why Jesus even said, this, all these things will take place within this generation. All these things that you're hearing, all these warnings will take place. And then you see down through the, down through the ages, however, the, a remnant was left. A remnant was left. And they grew to become a, greater, a great people again, but they never had a country again. They never had a nation again. They were scattered throughout the nations. And even then, they, people tried to kill them, tried to annihilate them, you know, you know, part and parcel, you know, disease. The enemy of this world, not just like nations and, and peoples, but like even Satan and, and his followers, the enemy of this world tried to kill him, try, or tried to kill all of Israel in, you know, things like the Black Plague and, and the, the Crusades. The Jews were, were part of that too. Like they were in the crossfire between the Ottomans and the Crusaders. Like they were in the crossfire being killed by both sides because both sides hated them. Then you see figures like the Holocaust, and then you see, you know, like six million Jews being killed. Russia had their own their own thing, uh, where they were killing Jews and they were they were driving them out. They were pushing them away, uh, kicking them out of the country, um, and all, throughout all. And then now today, now they've established a country again. They're now a nation again, and so we all of us have I've grown up in a, in a culture in in a world 
that knows a restored state and nation of Israel since 1948 with the Six-Day War and, and the Israeli-Palestinian War. And they've, and they've established themselves as a nation, again, all the way from, you know, Caesarea Maritima and Philippi down into, you know, Sea of Tiberias, you know, the Sea of Galilee, down through the coast and, you know, and uh, Megiddo and Tel Aviv and into Jerusalem. And half of Jerusalem is theirs and up, you know, then they've established themselves as a nation again, but they are surrounded by people who hate them. They're surrounded on the east by, you know, by Jordan, on the north in Lebanon, on the, on the west with the Gaza Strip. On the south, and like they're just surrounded by people that name, that hate them, specifically Islam. Muslims hate Israel and want to destroy them, um, and yet God is sustaining them. God has established them. God allowed them to fight and establish themselves as a nation again. Um, and so, and like in, in the war of, of you know, 1948, of establishing themselves as a nation again. There was all these miraculous things that happened, like bombs that, that fell that should have exploded, but they didn't. You know, bullets that, you know, just, you know, peppered buildings and all the people inside lived. Like these miracles of God sustaining his people, sustaining the remnant. And the fact that Israel has has continued to exist as, as a people, as a nation, uh, or as a people group, as a race, um, for these last 2,000 years, even though everyone around them is trying to destroy them and annihilate them, is a miracle. That, and is a, is a sign and a symbol to me that they still have the favor of God. Even though they don't have salvation, they still have God's favor. But God wants them to come to faith in Jesus. He's sustaining them and wanting and desiring for them to come to faith in Jesus. To read Isaiah 53. To read these different passages that point to Jesus as the Savior, as, as the Messiah that they can believe in today. Even though they've, you know, had had rejected them for most of their lives, that is not through the law, but it's through grace, it's through through salvation, through faith, and that that Jesus was the fulfillment to the law and the prophets, like He kept telling them back two thousand years ago. That's God's desire. That's God. That's Jesus's desire, and so um, so that's kind of where I've where I've come in, in my in my beliefs about Israel. That they are no longer, like, you know, God just doesn't care about them anymore. But God, that they are still the covenant people of God, and that God desires, like all mankind, for them to come to faith in Jesus, so that they can have salvation, and have life, and have etern eternal life, everlasting. Have the resurrection, you know, participate in the resurrection. Um, and so, uh, there's a lot more to that. But just you know, looking at you know, that's that was Paul's desire for them too. Look at the bookends of the beginning of Romans nine and the beginning of Romans ten. Both of them are Paul saying, "I wish that I could be accursed, and they would be they would be come to faith in Jesus." You know, I have a zeal. I can testify about them that they have a zeal for God, but not according to my knowledge. You know, I, I pray, my heart's desire for you know, in prayer for is you know to God concerning them, is what for their salvation, um, and that but that God will continually restore them, but also to continually also destroy them when they are unfaithful. Um, to their their part of the covenant, that God is still holding Israel to their part of the covenant, that He will bless them when they're when they are faithful to Him, and He will curse them when they are not. But also, here's the other other part of that as well, is that God will bless nations that bless Israel. That's something we've seen some, all the way from the beginning of of the Bible. Is that any nation that blessed Israel, that worked well with Israel, that honored Israel? I mean, look at, at the Persian Empire and Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, in in the Bible, the Babylonians, and then the Persians with Xerxes and Cyrus and and and, and Darius, God blesses nations that bless Israel. 
that's something I've been willing to say for a long time, is that we, and I believe that we as America, you know, had flourished as well because we were blessing and, and serving and partnering with Israel. And so I think that we as a nation, as America as a nation, can and will, I think, start to maybe see a diminishing, a dim, diminishment of that, of God's favor on us as a country, the more and more we distance ourselves, isolate ourselves, and curse and you know, Israel and bless and serve and empower their enemies, Hamas and Iran and Islam, you know, Jordan, uh, the more that we empower them, the more that we will start to, you know, we will see more and more God rescinding his blessing on America as a nation. Now, and that's, and that's different. It's not saying that believers, that Christians in America will lose our salvation. I'm saying that America as a nation will start to see, well, not start to see, will continue to see, because we've, we've, been, we've already started to see this, um, God's withdrawing and, with, with, and, and withdraw, you know, with, with, withholding and withdrawing of his blessing from us as a nation. Um, the, and the more that we start to curse Israel and, and, and slacken our favor, and blessing of them, the more that I, I feel that we will start to see God uh, withdrawing His blessing from America as a nation, as a country. Um, and so these are our crazy, you know, these are rocky times for us as a nation, but also as we, as believers, navigate um, walking and living in a country that used to be so faithful, or at least desiring to be faithful to the ways of the Lord. Um, but at the same time, it has also been, you know, from since its beginning, since its establishment, has been aligned with Lucifer as well. So that there's, that's another conversation for another day. Um, and I would love to have a conversation with you about that. But how how, um, how godliness and Luciferianism were inter, interwoven into the fabric of the and the foundation of our nation as a country. Um, but uh, when we were faithful to the Lord. God bless us, and when we and we and when we're, whenever we're not, we started to see God withholding His blessing, and we're going to continue to see that um, if we continue down this road. But um, and so I, I hope that this has been an encouragement. Um, but that that hope, our hope is in Christ. Our hope is not in 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 nations. Our hope is not in governments. Our our hope is not in politics. Our hope is in Jesus Christ and Him alone, and desiring to attain the outcome of our faith, the, the result of our faith, which is the salvation of our souls. That is our desire. We, want, we, want, we desire to give glory to God by enjoying Him forever. We desire to love the Lord and love one another and, and draw all people to Jesus Christ. And that is our goal. That is our mission. And that is our joy in this life. Um, and, and to walk by that. Walk by faith. Walk by the Spirit. Uh, don't live like the rest of the world. Don't love the world and, and the ways of the world, but love Jesus Christ. Uh, don't become friends of the world. Become friends of we are friends of Jesus first and foremost. Um, and and bless and serve. Bless people. Bless and honor people. Be kind. Be generous. Um, even to evil. Even to wicked evil people. Um, and, and we will start this. And we will see. You will see your life flourish. Um, the more that you live God's way, truth, and life. That is the way to flourishing. That is the way to um, hope. That is the way to joy. That is the only way to flourishing and joy. That is the only way, that is the only truth in this world. This is the only truth in this world is the scripture and, and, the, and, whatever, and what God 
says to be true. And because whenever we walk by it, we see life flourish. And whenever we don't, we start, we see life diminish, uh, quality of life diminish. Um, and so all this encourages you and, uh, and encourages you and inspires you to live a life of, of faithfulness to love and serve the Lord, love and serve one another in the church, and love and serve one another, uh, love and serve others, you know, love your neighbor in this world to draw all people to the, the love and the goodness and the joy and the beauty, the power and the majesty of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Um, and so, hope this is an encouragement and, uh, and uh, that we can change, we can grow and shift in our, in, our, in our understandings and beliefs about our theology and doctrine as God guides us and as God leads us. Um, so I hope this encourages you. Uh, love you guys, and we'll see you next time. Bye.